Tonight, we welcome LaPel to the stage of the Phoenix Theater. Debbie Nayer, the songwriter and force behind LaPel, released her full-length album Periphery in September of 2018. This album is both a personal and political piece of art. Tonight, we'll learn what Debbie has put of herself into this music, and later, she'll be playing that music with a band. Please welcome to the program, LaPel. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. LaPel superfans will note that this is Debbie's second onstage appearance, having previously <laughs> appeared on the Sam, Sam Chase in the Chase. untraditional episode in November of 2017. Yes. So, oh my God. I know. It was that long ago. We are talking uh, a year and a quarter ago. Wow. wow. Yeah. And so we say to you, welcome back, oh, Debbie. Welcome back, yeah. Thank you. Few less people around the table. <laughs> no, this is a contrast, this episode. You know, that episode, we talked a lot about death. You know, Sam has a preoccupation with death. And so tonight we talk about life, the life of Debbie. Um, I think a good place to start is you have put so much of yourself into these songs. I mean, even just a cursory look here, you see like, my God, this is this, is this person's life spread out across this album. And the band's name in itself is a statement. Could you kind of go into why that is and how that is? Yes, the the name lapel. Yes, uh, absolutely. I so uh, I named it after a quote from Margaret Trudeau, uh, Justin Trudeau's mom, and she was a total badass and a rebel, and later in life became this incredible mental health activist. Um, and when her husband became prime minister, I think she saw that she was gonna be very much in the shadows and people were interviewing her as such like oh what's your role gonna be and uh, she said I want to be more than a rose in my husband's lapel and I just loved that quote I loved it as a feminist I loved it as a songwriter and an artist who wants to speak their truth and push boundaries and just not be overshadowed by anybody else feminism um, is something that stands out very, very boldly on this album. And, and you talked about that quote. And another thing you said is that lapel is all about lifting women up through music. And how do you do that in action with this project? I think a big part of it is uh, the lyrical content. I mean, I have a song, um, we won't be doing it tonight, but it's on the album called less of a woman. That's all about reproductive rights and and just kind of wanting to shout from a rooftop that yeah. no matter what a woman decides about her body particularly about having kids or if she's able to if she wants to or not all these things like it does not define you or determine your value and I had never heard a song specifically about that before That's and true. I kind of just wanted someone to say it to me so I wrote it <laughs> so I could hear the voice coming back to me. Could you go into that song a little bit? Because it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting style. It, it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's people talking to each other, right? Yes. Yeah. So I wrote it as a conversation between two women who might be talking about this just in life. And the way it's performed on the, the album is myself and uh, my dear friend Jess Silva, um, who is also on the album and, and performs with us sometimes. But it could also be seen as one woman debating herself. She's pushing up against all the messages that she's grown up with 
in society saying, if you don't choose to have kids, you're cold, you're selfish, what's wrong with you? Like, why don't you want to take this path? So I kind of saw, I felt like it had to be sung by two people. And it's a really fun thing to perform live because you can really see that friendship and love coming from two women in the front of the stage that you don't often get to see in a lot of, a lot of bands. Well, you gave a quote to the Bay Bridge in 2017. And uh, th- this is a quote that we echo on this show a lot because on, this is on stage with Jim and Tom. Welcome to the show. Um, we, we, we really do zero in on people's albums and their lyrical content. And that's why it's such a thrill to have you on because you have been so thoughtful in how you've written these songs. Thank you. And the quote that you said to the Bay Bridge was, every record is a snapshot of wherever you were in life when you wrote it. Um, you also, you were kind of being a little self-deprecating in other parts of the quote, but I want to zero in on I the think po- I know what you're talking but I, about. But, but, well, because you were kind of saying that, like, you know, it, it's a snapshot, but, like, also, like, even though I'm proud of my old work, like, sometimes I cringe a little bit. But yeah. but what I took away from it is uh, what a beautiful thing. And I, and I say this probably every few episodes, and I'm sorry to people who've heard me say a hundred times, but what a beautiful thing as an artist to be able to say, like, here's where I was at this time in my life, and this is my art that I created because of the person that I was. And so your, your new record, Periphery, really feels that way in ways that are, that are both philosophical and deeply, deeply personal. Um, all three of us at the table have had some, well, direct or indirect contact with the main theme of this album. Yeah. And um, before we get into the, the dark side of that, because this was a tragedy that happened, I'd love it if you could tell us about this person. There was somebody who was very close to you that passed away. And I think instead of zeroing in on the death and how it affected you, which we will do that, I'd love you just to tell us about who this person was and, and what they meant to you. Sure. Uh, his name was Tim. He was uh, the first boy I ever dated in high school. And he was probably the craziest person I had ever met. And I mean that in the best way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just... I don't think I had ever met someone who had, at least it felt like zero fear, zero fear. And of course that leads to, you know, some really impulsive, dangerous yeah, behavior too. Yeah. But it was also this bewildering, compelling thing, especially as a teenager, this person who's just so unafraid and funny and very, very smart, um, who also went through a lot of... Um, you know, not such a good home life. And I think a lot of people saw think like him in a way that was based on a lot of rumors and maybe some of the more outlandish behavior. But I also saw him as this really sweet, really smart, really funny, witty person. You know, a lot of that crazy stuff probably uh, might've been some covering up for what he felt was uh, wrong about him because of what was happening in his home life and all that when quite frankly, it wasn't his fault. How did you guys meet? Um, it was through a, a mutual friend in high school. Do you have an early memory that like stands out to you? Like that sums up, that sums up Tim. Cause see, yeah, I, I have I'm a, trying to think what I can say publicly. Well, I, <laughs> he, I, I don't know Tim, did not know Tim, but I, you know, maybe he would like the wild stories to be shared. I don't know. Um, but no, I mean, you know, his, his life went down a dark path and, um, and tragedy befell him. But sometimes, you know, like before that really took over, there are these moments when you lose someone where you're just like, ah, that was, that was so him. 
you know, sometimes the tragedy at the later chapters in life, you, you think like, yes, that was him, but there was so much else going on that it was not the essence that I knew. So it, it, we can cut it out if, if you don't have anything. But um, sometimes I think those are the most beautiful things <laughs> to think back on when, when you've lost someone. Yeah. I mean, like we were in the New Jersey suburbs, so you really had to create your own entertainment in a way that I, I'm just amazed by kids who grow up in cities. It's like, you had all this around you. We had to be so much weirder <laughs> and <laughs> and creative because we had nothing to do, especially before you could drive. It was a lot of like hanging out in your friend's basements um, or in parks. Uh, so I definitely remember we like broke into a healthy number of places. I love it. But tell us more. <laughs> like homes, we, businesses? We broke into his neighbor's house, which makes it uh, literally into one of the song lyrics <laughs> what, what's that album. what's that lyric what's that lyric um remember when we broke yeah. into your neighbor's house <laughs> yes. like I, I, said, was, I was kind of raising my eyebrows at that point quite literal yeah yeah yeah. yeah. uh i think we broke into like a fancy golf course um cool. we oh god nope. now church was somebody else yeah now i mean <laughs> was this just for the the thrill of doing it was there uh okay yeah D- just for fun just boredom if, if you just... stole it's okay there's gonna be no judgment here if you stole it's okay but... i think i was too much of a nerd yeah. i'm sure he stole a lot of things yeah um. <laughs> but maybe not maybe it was just fun sometimes it's just fun to go to a place you're oh, not yeah. supposed to go it is and yeah. like we, we weren't hurting anybody and you're just so you again you kind of have to make those little cheap thrills for yourself did, growing did you, up in the suburbs did you break the window did you pick the lock how'd you break in Oh my God, that's such a good question. I haven't thought about this in a really long time. I think it was a climbing through the window scenario. <laughs> now, did you go around to the windows and like feel if they'd left them unlocked? Was that sort we of situation? Yeah. Because I like we to break have. I like to break into places in my spare time too. And you know, there's But you gotta be uh, respectful, you know. You, you do. don't smash a window. I wouldn't break a window. Now I will feel a doorknob. If it's left unlocked, it's left unlocked. Yeah. I definitely <laughs> I also <laughs> I just have like a long habit of like throwing parties where I shouldn't throw them. And I definitely remember dog sitting for a neighbor's house and threw a party there. And I think you're 16, 17 year old at this point. Are you trying not to remember what happened here? No, no, no. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So you're a teenager though at this time. Yeah. And I definitely remember him being over and, uh, unbeknownst to us, a gardener came over to work. Oh. In the backyard. So oh. I yelled at him to hide in the bathroom and he was definitely stuck there for a few hours. Yeah, I love that. And I uh, remember that. So you were partying during the day? Because this gardener's not coming at well, 10 or 11 o'clock actually, at night. But here's what I want to find. Was this just the two of you or were there more people? Was this a full-on party? It was a full-on party. I was think maybe this party? was the next day. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but he wasn't supposed to be there. No. So it's interesting. So you, you were a... Go ahead. What, did you get away with it? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. no. You didn't get caught. No. Wow. Yeah. Well played. What That's what happens when a nerd throws <laughs> okay, parties. Throws yeah. We like over prepare. <laughs> exactly. So you you would say teenage you was a nerd. I mean like uh, you know, I'm beginning I to think studied not. a yeah. lot. <laughs> it was really like I was really like wanted to get good grades. Yeah, but he was kind of the bad boy influence a bit. Yeah. Did your parents not approve of this relationship? I don't think I told them about it. Oh, I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. Well did, do they <laughs> did they ever find out you'd broken into any places? No. Wow, you guys are going to send them this interview? (laughs) (laughs) Holy cow. Probably not. Was he older? Was he about your age? Same age. Same age. Yeah. Okay. And was there, I mean, obviously his his home life was tough, but was there the amount of darkness during that period that would come later on? 
you know, we only dated for a really, this was like, I think senior year. Okay. So it was just for a brief amount of time. Just before you were 18. Yeah. And I think he, I think we knew it was a short thing that would end when we went off to college. And so I think he really wanted to, I could tell there were moments when I think he wanted to open up about what was going on. And a lot of what we kind of believed was just what we were kind of guessing at. So he never really went into too much of what was happening with his parents. Yeah. And I think he kind of just wanted to protect our kind of fling. Yeah, yeah. And maybe didn't want to open up too much about it. Well, I guess what I mean is like his life became less functional as time went on. Yeah. But that really wasn't presenting itself as much during your fling. Uh, it was in certain clear ways, but yeah. uh, not... Not as much in terms of like drug choice or, and I mean, just the older you get, the more like the heavier the consequences could be sometimes like getting kicked out of college. When did Tim pass away? This could have been maybe five years ago, six years ago. And how did his death affect you personally? Because you weren't remaining in regular contact, I'm assuming. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's such a, it's such an imprint that only a teenage relationship can leave where everything's amplified everything feels 10 times stronger there's so much nostalgia it's your hometown it was summertime so like those things were so such a huge fingerprint on my brain so I think everything felt heightened by his loss and uh uh yeah it was just such a it was just devastating and to to think back on what interventions could have been done and we saw kind of foreshadowing of this as a possibility. What could we have done? What could his family have done? Like, what do you not understand as a young person is what's really going on. And yeah, just, just so tragic to, to lose someone like that so young. Do you think he expected to go early? That's a great question. I really didn't know him nearly as well after high school. Um, I can only imagine those thoughts it's very possible yeah uh, and again this th- his death is a main theme on this album yeah, yeah. and uh, this <laughs> if you're just tuning in and you're wondering <laughs> why are they talking about this on the lapel episode because his fingerprints um are all over this album yeah. or at least the the his yeah. shadow is is yeah. is very very strongly over this album um the album title plays strongly into this how so so i think There might be like three reasons behind the title. One, because he's such a part of it, I feel like he was quite literally sometimes living on the periphery between life and death. There were some real scares while I knew him. Um, And uh, I can't speak for anybody else struggling with substance abuse, but I can imagine that a lot of addicts can kind of feel that way when you're always on the precipice of overdosing or losing your family or community. Like, so that, that was one of the reasons for the title. And, um, it was the song periphery on the album that really kind of helped me figure out what my new sound would be. And, uh, for me too, it was creatively felt like it was on the edge of something. Like I was really trying to push past a boundary, a clear line of separation from everything I had ever made before. This is all those things together. It just felt like the right word. Did it affect how you lived and how you prioritized things? I think 
he sometimes became like a baseline for me on certain days where I was feeling like I had a really bad day or I was in a terrible mood and I would just walk outside and it would be like a simple sensation. Like sometimes I would remind myself like I am feeling the sun on my skin. Like he'll never be able to do that again. Or, uh, you know, I'm feeling really caught up in this thing that happened and like I get the luxury of getting my heart broken or something and getting to live through that and thinking like, wow, like what a gift that is to just feel those things. So I think, um, in that way, it definitely helps me appreciate a lot of things. It's a good baseline to like remind myself, like you're alive. (laughs) So this is interesting then. So he, in a very inadvertent way, uh, affected you as an artist hugely. You talk about how periphery not only is a play on the, you know, uh, what his personal situation was, but, but also it, it catapulted you into this new s- style of music making, which we'll get into later on. Uh, another prompt. I will cut it if we can't. Uh, <laughs> Are there other like defining moments that you can point to in your life uh, in terms of you as an artist? Because it seems like his death resulted in this album, which was a defining moment. Mm-hmm. Does anything else come to mind where something happened, you experienced something, and you and, and when you came out the other end, it just like changed you? I have this really cheesy term that I made up for myself called like a beacon moment, where when you feel like, if you are lucky enough to experience this, where you feel like in a certain moment you are doing exactly what you were put on the planet to do, um, which is an incredible thing that, again, a lot of people don't ever have the luxury of experiencing because they're trying to survive or eat or walking seven miles to get water. Uh, but I definitely remember, I think it was my freshman year of college, I was in Boston and a friend of mine was over at Berkeley College of Music and we made some songs together, just kind of scrapping together engineers and musicians over there and like kind of letting, like forcing ourselves to yeah. sneak into the space and all that. And yeah, Breaking in is a theme. Yeah. Oh my God, oh my yes. God, this is a really, yeah, it's really, really. Gotta, gotta be an album in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> breaking and entering. Yeah, the next that's the next one. I was going to ask you at the end, what's next for Lapel? It's breaking and entering. Anyway, anyway, sorry. Oh my God. Yeah, but I remember they had a string quartet come in and play on one of my songs, and no, that had never happened to me. And I was sitting behind the glass in the control booth, and I remember that beacon coming down of like, oh my God, this is what I'm supposed to do. The way that I'm feeling right now, hearing like strings play on something I wrote hearing it back to me in the speakers, I just knew. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I mean, life is all about trying to position yourself so you have those beacon moments, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can feel like you go a long time before you get to them. Yeah. Um, this album may actually be an example of that a little bit. Because I definitely think so. <laughs> well, but just because, I, and I want to dive into a, a few like uh, lyrical things of the song, but we can skip to production for a moment. You, you described, the, speaking of the long path to a beacon moment, you, you described the process of creating this album as terrifying and that at one point you wanted to throw away 50% of the music. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, what led us there? <laughs> To the terror? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> obviously, you, you made a rule for yourself. You, you mentioned earlier that uh, mm-hmm. piano was out. You were not going to make music like you had been making before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you had to put yourself in an uncomfortable position. I mean, you didn't have to. You made the decision <laughs> to do that. Why? First of all, why did you do that? And, you know, what, what gave you the patience and, like, grounding to s- follow through with something that was terrifying you and that at one point you wanted to just throw away? 
I, I think, and I mean, there's a Bowie quote that I barely remember. I'm going to butcher, but the concept is the idea of you're supposed to throw yourself into the deep end. You're supposed to be uncomfortable to a degree or else you're not making art. You're not really pushing yourself. And so I really believe that. And it's really uncomfortable and it's hard if you feel really insecure about it, especially with pop oriented music. I mean, it walks such a fine line and so much of it sounds so perfect that in this genre, if you feel like you miss the mark, it feels like you really miss the mark. And it can come off as super trite or just amateur. So, um, but I, I wanted to change everything. I wanted to make a record that I would want to see and move to live in a concert, not just make the music that I knew how to make or that I was used to making. And that was really important to me. And with the coupling of the muse of the whole situation with Tim, it just felt like that was the inspiration to kind of push things sonically and emotionally and lyrically and everything. And didn't uh, John Vanderslice, who people who know Bay Area music w- will know this this man, um, he had a good philosophy on it because you recorded it at his studio. Am I, am I right there? Yeah. Yeah. D- d- there was some perspective he gave that was helpful. I think, well, one thing in particular that I've mentioned before in some like articles and things like that is he, I was kind of going to him for guidance of telling him, you know, I feel this tearing and I want to figure out how I'm supposed to make this new thing and I have no idea how to do it. And he said, you have to find the song that acts as a key to unlock the rest of the album, which I thought was so beautiful. It's like, if you can just get that one song where you feel like it just feels so right, that can be at least the start of a roadmap for style, which that song Periphery was for me. So this album is obviously the product of a lot of pain, growth, and introspection. And did you feel like, I don't know, like a different person once you completed this project, like you had symbolically moved forward or you had like shed something? Does that resonate at all? Definitely, yeah. There was uh, the last track on the album, uh, it's called Away We Go, and it's, it's, uh, I wanted to close it out because it's kind of, It's one of the more literal songs, I think, about Tim's death. And uh, it's kind of a ballad and it's kind of dreamy and I really wanted to close out the record, but it was really difficult to write. Um, And both musically and lyrically and putting it all together and I kind of kept putting it off and working on it. And I remember when we finally heard the final mix, I was like, okay, let's like get this over with. I, I just, I couldn't even bear to hear it. And when we heard the final mix and I was sitting on the couch in the studio, I just like, I was like so tense and listening to it. And then it finished and it just felt like, like such a sigh of relief, like so cathartic. And that doesn't always happen quite so literally with albums. Um, But for this one, emotionally, I was like, like something was released. (laughs) Like, okay, (laughs) like this, this is over now. This part of it is over. I love that because there's a quote that you said in some press material and and it was uh, that this album is you finally stepping out and saying, this is who I am and what I'm about. And it feels like in that moment, it, it, like it, it crystallized. You're like, we did it. Yeah. I think that moment was more so about the grieving process. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just about having written this huge collection of songs about mostly one person. And for me, like I felt like I could let this part of that go. But absolutely, that feeling definitely happened, too. Like when you're listening back to all the final things and the mixes and the mastering and 
God, the two parallel so, things that go on in this album are something. Yeah. It's like death and rebirth all at the same time. Really, it is. I mean, you're processing his death, but you as an artist were reborn in yeah. this process. Yeah. I, th- I, I, th- I got that really wrong on the last thing, but I'm glad that I did because... Um, it, it, no, I, I think no, I think there's definitely elements of truth. But I, 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 I love that you were able to have that moment about him at the completion of the last song. It's, I didn't expect that at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's rare that we get to have that, you know, like like a moment where you can just feel the relief. Yeah. Because you know, like funerals happen so quickly after the person is gone, and then you're just expected to go on with your your life and right and do that. And it's different on stage too. You know, if I were to conjure up that feeling every single time I performed, it would just, uh, it'd be a lot. Yeah. And there's just so much else going on. And sometimes you're just focusing, like the song just becomes its own entity after a while, at least for me. Yeah. It's like it separates a little bit from the inspiration. It becomes more about physical sensation and like energy and audience and like how it relates to like the greater um, arc of your set and all that stuff. But, um, in that moment, before you've performed it live, you can really sit back and be like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Now your relationship with these songs has almost sort of changed. Like you cauterized the, the, the wound uh, that his death caused and, and, and all right, we have some closure. I have some peace. And now these songs take on a, a completely n- new role in your life. And I think a good last prompt would be, do you have a sense on where you go next? And, you know, it, it could be in terms of art. It could be in terms of, of life and activism. But just whatever feels relevant as we kind of look forward. This album or has been recorded. Yeah, or all of the yeah. above. Yeah, I have been thinking about it recently. <laughs> Once the record's finally out, it's like, oh, I can focus on songwriting again, which is really yeah. a lot of the, the most fun part, especially for me when you start to bring your friends in yeah. to like play the drums and, and brainstorm guitar. Like That's, that's my favorite yeah. part. Um, so I have been thinking about that, and I think that I really want to make a record that is lighter <laughs> after this one. Cool. Um, and just focusing on it's not so much this like ground shaking event, but it's about what songs can I write that just make me feel really good. It's like the older you get to, the less you worry about how does this sound? Is this okay? Is this good enough? And you're like, this makes me feel really good when we're playing it. Um, I want to just focus more on that, more about life than, than death on this record. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, just being a little bit freer and a little bit poppier with it. And that's felt really fun in the process so far. I love it. You know, we started this episode out saying that we were not going to talk about death, unlike the Sam Chase episode. And here we are. It's, it's the, uh, the, (laughs) the symbolic sequel to that episode. I think we actually were discussing what leads to birth. Yeah. And rebirth in that in that way, yeah. It's it's one of my favorite things. We get when we get an artist to come back and and uh, we get to see another side of it. This uh, yeah. as as the side so performer different. with with Sam Chase, <laughs> and now as as the solo performer, uh, spectacular. Uh, we get to see just another part of your depth, 
And this is, has been that kind of an evening. There's there's a lot going on with you. Holy cow. <laughs> That's a great point. Because if you go back and watch that Sam Chase episode, you know, you're supporting Sam, you're playing, yeah. and uh, and I'm, I'm sure you have creative freedom in there, and it's a it's a partnership. He, he really does lead his band in that way, I think. Oh, but, yeah. But, you know, I mean, it was the Sam Chase and the untraditional episode. Oh, of so course. You, I believe you were sitting next to him. I think you might have been right next to him. And it's that's like an hour long episode. And so yeah. that that you were sitting there with with this this whole lived experience and all this art and stuff. And now tonight we get to zoom in on that. It's it's just like really a pleasure. And so thank you. You know, all I can say is uh, you you're an incredible musician yeah. and you have a lot of admirers in this Bay Area scene yes, that we're all do. a part oh. of. Really and awesome. that's we, how you came back to us when uh, <laughs> some of your admirers said we've got to get you on and, uh, and they were right so Sweet. we are we are grateful that you brought this project to this stage and hopefully it will be a platform where this music can touch even more people so thank you for bringing everything that you did tonight thank you guys and with that our conversation is concluded <laughs> and a performance by lapel oh yes yeah, is around. up next thank you very much for joining us thanks for having me Sweet, this was sweet.